Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the House of Kayfabe, the full report. And tonight we are all in on All Out. Yes, I've got Stephen P. New with me. I've got Adam Harris with me. I've got Stephen Barker. And I've got our resident AEW fanatic, Derek Jones, with us here. And we are going to talk about all things All Out. Now, gentlemen, what kind of uh, what kind of show were you? The question is, what were you expecting? And where did you go? And we'll go with a number rating. We'll go of a, a let's say one to ten. What were you expecting? And what did you receive, Stephen Barker? I was expecting at uh, at least better than the last pay per view that I paid for from AEW, which was the Sparkler match. So if it was better than the, just, the just give me some numbers. Well, we're going to get into all the details. Just, like, just where I was were hoping you? If, like, dude, if they could give me a six or seven, I'll be happy. I'd be happy. But what were you expecting? Uh, like a six or seven. And you were hoping to get a six or seven. Okay. Do you feel and like I got you got about a six or seven? And you got about a six or seven. Okay. Uh, Stephen P. New, what, what were you expecting number wise? I was expecting a seven and got an eight. Oh, well, that's, that's, a, that's a good feeling. Adam Harris, what were you expecting? I guess I could go for that. You know, at best, I was hoping for a seven. I think at the end of the night right now, I feel like it was probably an eight show for sure. Derek Jones, what were you expecting and what did you get? When it comes to pro wrestling, I always expect a five because it could go either way. I got a solid 10. Loved it. Loved every second of it. (laughs) Not every second. Oh, but enough to every, give it a 10. Every second? Enough. Nope, not every second. Enough, but enough. Just enough to give it a 10. So let's talk about where uh, you know where we started. Um, the very first match, we had Jurassic Express and the Best Friends versus Matt Hardy and um, Private Party and Angelico and the other guy. And it was a, it was a melee there on the uh, pre-show. I think originally the pre-show was supposed to have this match and the Casino Battle Royal, but the Casino Battle Royal was moved to the main card when Pac and um, Andrade El Idolo were, were moved off of the card and onto uh, to Dynamite. That is correct, right, Derek? Uh, uh, best of our knowledge, that is correct. So what did you think about this match here? It felt like we were just trying to get these guys on the show. There. I mean, it, it it was all right. I I hate when it to, to me when you do matches like this. It's the same thing that WWE does with WrestleMania. It's let's give everybody a payday, and not everybody deserves a payday. Not everybody deserves to be on the pay per view. So I'm glad it was on the buy in, but God, just you know, give me some one on one matches from it's, time to time. You know, one there of the are co- no participation trophies at the Derek Jones house. God, <laughs> no, there's not. One of the questions that I had about this is Matt Hardy is now managing what? Like three tag teams. Is that what we're, we're gathering here? How do you man? I mean, I guess Jimmy Hart pulled it off in the, in the early nineties, but usually we don't see a manager managing multiple tag teams. Adam Harris. What did you think about this match? Uh, big money, Matt Hardy. That's why we've never seen anybody manage this many people. Is he's such big money? I guess you know. I don't. The, uh, the the I think it was Shivani called it the pool uh, spot where the guys got on each other's shoulders and they were like almost like we used to call it chicken fighting in the pool. Like, is that what you would call it? Yeah, I think so. Uh, that was I popped for that. You know, I thought this was good. This was entertaining. Jungle Boy had a couple of good spots. They made him look strong. But man, it, it was a spot fest, like which I expected. You know, that's what I expected it to be. And it didn't go on much longer than it had to. That's for sure. Well, it seemed like the whole thing was kind of put together to put Jungle Boy over. And, you know, of course, you get your Orange Cassidy spot in there as well. But Jungle Boy, 
definitely came out the best out of this entire thing. Barker, uh, did you watch this buy-in? I'm not watching the pre-show of an AEW pay-per-view. Steve New, go ahead. Are you kidding me? Steve, did you watch the, the buy-in? I did not watch the buy-in, but it wasn't because I wouldn't. And to echo what Derek said, if you're finishing a program with certain wrestlers, certain teams, certain grudges, certain angles, there are naturally going to be ebbs and flows of that. So somebody may just be wrapping up some kind of of an angle uh, and they not be on the pay-per-view. And this kind of seemed like just jam it in there. Um, But, you know, I agree with, I agree with Derek, you know, you didn't have the pinnacle or, or the inner circle there tonight, you know, because they're kind of between, um, angles, I guess you want to say, and, you know, there were a lot of people who weren't there, but, um, if you want to get guys like, you know, jungle boy or somebody like that, you know, have them involved in an angle going leading up to this. Yeah. By the, uh, by the end of this, we seen the butcher return. I know we've been asking about the butcher and where he's been, and now he is back. And now the blade has a reason to be called the blade and doesn't make uh, little, little to no sense. So now is the butcher, is he still playing in the band? Like he might've been on, on tour. Right? I think he was, he was. He was. I, okay. I think that was the deal. He was on tour with the band. I actually have a butcher back. story. I opened up for him and I made him late for the uh, stage because really? we were backstage at the green room and we were talking wrestling and you heard like amps turn on and his manager run in the back is of this place called the V club that I play a lot. And he's like, you're late. And he's like, I don't care. He was just happy to have like a smart mark to fucking talk to. Yeah, that was so, wild. Yeah. So how about, cool dude. how about that group hug at the end? Was uh, was that necessary? A big, big group hug right at the end of the match. This, that, you know, they were going for the best friends hug when the butcher came in. Right. And then knocked everybody down. And when they threatened to cut Orange Cassidy's hair, the entire locker room empties, you know, like we can't let this happen. And, you know, there's no way. And everybody from the back, you know, emerges to make sure he doesn't get his hair cut, you know? So I guess they're going to build towards that. Um, but then they did the hug anyway. It was like, how hard was this beat down? If everybody just got up and they all had the big warm mo- moment at the end, you know, and zoomed the camera out, which I like, you know, I'm getting down with that effect, but didn't make the butchers comeback make seem very strong to me. Uh, when we came back uh, from here, we're, you know, we're, we're going into the show and, and jungle boy basically come out of that as the hero. I think we can all agree to that. When we come into the pay-per-view though, we've got Miro versus Eddie Kingston. And I thought this style, this styles clash was a really good mesh. I think these two had a really good match. I enjoyed this all the way through. Where where did you sit on this match, Stephen Pinu? I'm a big fan of Miro. I don't know that I like this God's chosen. God's uh, favorite champion? God's favorite yeah, whatever. champion. That's a good gimmick. It's so good. Well, I, I love I, it. I look, it's just maybe not for me, but anyway... I, I really like Miro. I love his in-ring abilities. And, but, my God, when Eddie Kingston broke out, redeemed these nuts this week, you talk about <laughs> popping. I thought, man, I don't care whether Eddie wins the match, doesn't win the match. You know, he was my star of the week for redeemed these nuts. 
I loved what Miro said when he was like, I only lay down for my wife after victory. <laughs> in the hotel. The only time I go down is on my wife in the hotel. That was great. That that was that's what I love this whole this whole thing that they're doing with him. But the the class or like the, the styles, the way that they fit together. It was just it was a perfect match. Uh, Derek Jones, you're you're a Kingston fan. You, uh, you I'm not. Are you a Miro fan? I think you are. I am. I definitely don't hate on Miro. Um, big fan. He's got a lot of potential. I mean, could be a top heel in any company he goes to if positioned correctly. But I am a huge Eddie Kingston fan. Love the guy's promo work. I really love the way that they they blended and meshed in this match. Not only their promos building up to it, but the in-ring work. Um, you know, Miro being cooperative with these suplexes makes Eddie look like a damn superhero. I mean, it, it was it was good work on both parts. I loved every second of it. Um, the there was a great false finish uh, for Eddie Kingston that really got the crowd to the point where they thought Eddie was going to win. And that you know we talk about in our group chat we talk about false finishes a lot and the way they're used or not used or overused most of the time when we talk about. But that was perfect positioning for a false finish because re- people really thought Eddie was about to go over with that. For sure. The first time I ever seen Eddie Kingston, I just, I knew that he was going to be a superstar. It, it was kind of like the same way that I felt about uh, Kevin Owens. First time that I seen Kevin Steen, it was like sooner or later, somebody's going to get a hold of this guy and he's going to do something amazing. And I felt the same way about Eddie Kingston, but then no one ever grabbed him. And now we're getting to see him actually, uh, perform on a national stage and it's it's turning out that I, I, i'm pretty right this guy is did you see him on nwa that's what i was about to say that's yeah, what i, I really I first saw him too yeah, yeah. yeah oh, see i first NWA seen him work. i first seen him with pro wrestling gorilla like a long time ago so i that's when i was calling it i mean yes he did some awesome stuff in nwa but as far as on a national i mean even though it's the national wrestling alliance it's not as national as something that's on national television right like yeah, AEW. Right. So we're getting to see him. But that do was my first thing. exposure to him, and I and I echo what you say, Reznor. If, if, if you don't mind, uh, let me ask the the group a question. Typically, you know, you're kind of worried about losing a match or something like that. What does that do to you? Your your persona, your you know your, your next set of matches or whatever. I thought Eddie Kingston here doing the job on the pay per view. To Miro, by the quality of the match that they had, he got elevated. Absolutely, in, in my opinion, it, it, Eddie Kingston. There, there was nothing negative, in my opinion. Do you guys agree with that? That nothing negative came. I, I feel from, like he became Eddie a contender, match? and that's what happened tonight. He became a contender instead of just being John Moxley's buddy who will get into a fight for him. He became a contender that almost won a belt. And that's a that's a different place for for Eddie Kingston to be in, in in AEW. Well, you can feel how much the crowd is rooting for that guy. He's such an underdog. Totally. You know what I mean? He's not a body. You know what I mean? Like this dude is not like somebody you would look at and be like, "Well, there's a fucking WWE superstar." Mm-hmm. And the crowd, I think that he's one of those cats that can just go have good matches and still look at the lights, and the crowd are still going to love him and support him. Which two? AEW's credit that what's makes that fan base pretty cool. 
So I don't because well, you can't do that at WWE. You can't do what Kingston's doing in the WWE and be a lovable loser. You know what I mean? And, and root for someone because cats like Brian and Derek, because I think me, Adam and Steve saw him way later than you all because of the NWA on YouTube. Uh, they uh, like wrestling enough that they can appreciate Here's a guy that maybe he's not going to be a champion. He's not going to fucking be at WrestleMania ever. But because of his hard work over the years, you appreciate and are glad for him. It's like that band that you love that finally made it like, oh, shit, I've been there since the beginning. I'm so glad he's there. And even if he's and even when that band gets there, maybe they don't win a Grammy, but you know that they're they're paying the bills. It's that kind of thing with Eddie Kingston. What were you going to say, Derek? So I, I don't know if you guys listen to Busted Open or not, and I hate to put anybody else over, but, I mean, it's a good show, and I listen to it pretty regularly. This is one of those moments where you hear Bully Ray say, one guy went over, but the other guy got over. And and that doesn't happen enough, but this is definitely one of those moments where Miro went over, but, man, Eddie Kingston, he got over. Big. Yes, Miro did get the victory, but we did see a new Eddie Kingston that we weren't used to seeing. And then we go into the next match. We've got Satoshi Kojima versus John Moxley. Did I say that right? Satoshi Kojima? Yep. Kojima. Oh man. Nailed it. Okay. I knew I would. Anyway, uh, my question is why, why did this, uh, there's obviously gotta be something <laughs> that makes this match make sense. But to me, I don't understand why Moxley's gimmick is that he is now facing guys from new Japan. And that's what he's doing. I don't, and just out of that that run in he just had with those three jobbers from Dark, I, I just don't understand the direction that we're going with the former world heavyweight champion. Derek, can you explain to me why this match was on all out? Well, we're looking at him as a former AEW world champion, and you know, there's a whole other crowd that's going to look at him as a former IWGP US champion. So if if we're going to do a deal with New Japan, we also want to be able to see somebody that potentially will come back to Japan to wrap up a rivalry or, you know, put a bow on something across the sea and not just have everything here in the United States. You know, if we're going to talent share, let's talent share. You send me somebody that's, that's noteworthy enough to be in a ring with John Moxley on my pay-per-view. Maybe not, you know, your top tier active guys, but somebody that the crowd, you know, from the new Japan audience will know and respect and be okay. Watching do the job to John Moxley and it not hurt anybody. So, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is one of the reasons why Derek Jones is a mortgage holder at the house of Kayfabe because he will bring perspective to you that you ain't going to get anywhere else. But I still have a question. Here. I still have a question, though. Why are they not telling these stories on AEW television to make these matches mean more for the people who haven't seen that? They had to cram it in. They always have to, you know, in the introduction, it's almost like they have to go through a laundry list of championships and, and, and companies they've worked for that you'll recognize, you know, and I appreciate them trying to get that over. It's, it's really hard for me. You know, I'm not somebody who is familiar with, with Kojima. So, uh, for me, but they put him over in a way that maybe he seemed like, I don't know, is a Jericho like person, you know, somebody who's been around for 30 years, uh, still respectful and, and, you know, still can go, uh, you know, by the time, the middle of the match came around. I thought, you know, both man, this guy's respectable. He definitely could go. The match was good. I I have nothing bad to say about the match. It was, I mean, it was a good match. What did he start doing wrestling when he was seven? 
He's been around <laughs> a lot. Gray hair in his hand. He's been wrestling for thirty years. Well, look I didn't. at Jericho. Look at Jericho and Punk. They've got gray in their beard. That's true. Gray in their hair. That guy didn't have a single gray hair in his head. We also can't be too sure about these numbers as far as how many decades people have been wrestling. You know, like well, you said, no, you know, I Wikipedia him because I didn't know anything about him. He's been wrestling since 1991. This dude is well. A, that's when OG. Jericho debuted. Yeah. yeah that's oh, when Jericho okay. Debuted. Yeah, I think this guy was like 50, 51. I think as I because you know I I I know New Japan better than your standard WWE watcher, but of course I don't know New Japan as much as fucking Derek does. Uh, but I've never heard of. Of him now i've got some things to say here in a minute about a new japan guy but yeah i'd never heard of this cat before well so i gotta just to give you just to give you a rundown i mean he's previous iwgp world champion previous all japan world champion triple crown champion in both promotions but he was also a nwa world champion at one time i mean he's he's he, not he won it off of rob conway right oh, yeah nice but has he ever won the gcw title Oh goodness! So y'all go y'all probably go no by choice, shit in, aren't you? Okay. Y'all go shoehorn that in. Moxley had on a GCW <laughs> Yeah, he did. That was it too, though. They didn't mention anything else about the GCW because, title. Man, they got to ease up on that. that. You know, yeah. they got they had an Impact Championship on. They had a GCW sweatshirt, and they had. Uh, I guess well, it's just too much. It's just too Tony Khan and his coat of many colors. I love it. Much. Okay, so before we it. get into what happened at the end Steve. of this, I mean, before we get into the, the, the big shocker at the end, I want to ask, because I, I was noticing, that John Moxley is not bald like the pictures online led us to believe that he was going to come back bald. And I realized tonight, you know, he's still got the receding hairline looking like the, uh, what does Jim Cornette call him, the balding plumber? Uh, Moxley's plumbing or- organization. So, well, despite the wrestling mask that you see on your screen night right now, we have three proud bald men. Come home, John Moxley. Don't hold on. It's time to go. You've got that fucking Dave Matthews shit going on. When you feel the air conditioner on the top of your head, it's, it's time, time to shave. It's time. It's time. Yeah. You know, you, you, it's it's just a. You know, it's just such a. A beautiful choice to make, too. I actually wasn't even losing my hair. I am not bald. Oh, you, know, you all? Uh, wait, well, uh, oh, well, fuck you then, Brian. No, Brasher. I chose. You're a fake-ass bald no, man. I, no, I chose this because. Hey, Derrick Jones, we, hey, you ain't in the club then, dude. You yes, I am. You think we shit on purpose? <laughs> you think, like, <laughs> like, you know, like, when I had hair, I had, like, women looking at me and shit, and then you decide not to have hair? Man, I decide you, not to have hair. Just like The Rock. The Rock, it's, it's a choice. No, The Rock was bald. No, he was going bald. It's a choice. Fake ass bald man. <laughs> so uh, out of here. So Suzuki then, isn't bald. No, Suzuki isn't yeah. bald, and Suzuki is all elite at least for now. New Japan, uh, because of John Moxley's gimmick that he's facing all New Japan guys, we decided to bring Suzuki out, and this was kind of a shocker. This match is going to be uh, hopefully taking place nowhere near a Domino's commercial since they're already anti death match because this is going to be a pretty hardcore uh, hardcore deal. Yeah, but Suzuki. But if you know anything about Suzuki, and this is a part of New Japan that I know about, because I know a lot about Mister Suzuki, because being a big MMA fan, you know he's he is an originator. And Derek's going to back me up on this on the sport of MMA. This motherfucker was fighting in Pancrase. If you want to see some of the best fights you've ever seen, go watch him fight 
all the shamrocks. Go watch Boss Boss Rootin beat him up. Man, Suzuki, he's the original Brock Lesnar. That's what's so cool about him. Now, he doesn't look like Brock Lesnar, but if you're in the know, he's a dangerous, scary motherfucker. We have lots of footage of him ripping people's arms and legs off. Minoru Suzuki is the man. Speaking of footage, has anyone here seen the footage of Suzuki beating the living shit out of Oscar. Yes. No. Does he give yes. her the okay. respect slap? Listen, is there, it the respect slap? There is a video online. You can look this up. We will we will post it. Derek, make sure that you post it in the residence group after we're done here. This and is on a, YouTube if you're watching, we'll put it in the description. Yes, and you and you can see uh Asuka and Suzuki have a run in. It's a it's a match where you know uh it, it, intergender tag team match and he beats her like he owns her it is it is so brutal it's like coco beware you ever seen that coco beware yep. video it's like that man he beats the hell out of oscar you watch that video you will have a newfound respect for oscar because That's she Japan, is a man. tough tough woman suzuki beat her and beat her and beat her again. It was. It's hard to watch. I mean, it's it's really hard to watch. It's like it's like New it Jack and. Uh, I mean, are you saying it's like a shoot? Yeah, it is a shoot. It's it's like New Jack and Gypsy Joe. Hard to watch. It's bad. Like, oh my god! It's without the weapons, it's like it's like that without the weapons. Suzuki is the weapon. It's oh man, you gotta yeah, watch. See, that's that Japan shit, man. You know, back in the day, it was uh, it was a show of respect. If you'd have a great match and you come out, and Antonio Noki gives you one upside the head for real so like that and dude if that's that far along uh, long ago that's when like oscar was still working for nintendo yeah it wasn't like she was like you know the 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 uh, uh veteran that she is now that's that japan stuff man they're all about that respect no that moment when you watch this video you see the light switch get turned on that's when she changed from the indiegogo pop dancer to the empress of today that we see like completely it like lights turned on in her head she became a badass in, instantly he beat the super mario out of her didn't he oh. yeah he did why do you see this steve you're gonna be you're gonna be shocked like i see that you have never seen this before yeah when I'm you, seen I haven't. When you see rough. this you're gonna be like whoa dude, 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 dude. <laughs> maybe we should put the mario music behind it so it looks yeah, like we it. are going to see moxley versus suzuki as quick as dynamite which i think that uh, that might be a little too quick you could have built this up more but nevertheless we're going to see it this wednesday on dynamite kudos I mean, look, man, I have made my bones on the House of Kayfabe for almost a year now. I think it's almost been a year of being the person that buried AEW. And on the and I've been thinking about this today because I was like, man, this pay-per-view has the chance of being very good. And I better fucking show that I have some uh, uh, authority here. And on one of my first appearances, I said the thing about AEW is it's like a rock band. It's like a band. It takes a while to gel. Now, I'm not saying they're all the way gelling. And they've had some bullshit over the last 18 months or however long. But tonight, despite some of their real bad downfalls of matches that we had to set through, man, you bring Minoru Suzuki over here, 
I'll watch because that dude's believable because we have seen him beat the fuck out of some of the most toughest human beings on the planet well, as a shoot. Well, hold that sentiment to the end there. Yeah, because we're not even half. I comment on that particular. We yes, are sir. not even halfway there, folks. Next up, we've got Britt Baker defending her title against Chris Statlander. And this match was better than I expected it to be. But um, what, what, where did you guys sit on it? I really liked the match a lot, and I got worried when I saw Rebel and Jamie Hayter come out, and then you had the best friends come out. I thought, man, this is going to be some kind of screw job ending when you just had Statlander elevate herself. Because I'm telling you, she's improved so much from the times that I've seen her live, and, and it was just and I've been to three live AEW shows, and I think she was on all three. Derek, was she in DC? I don't think she. I don't think she was. She at wasn't DC. in Charleston either, was she? She was in so. Fort Lauderdale. She wasn't in Charleston because was I was the at dark that stuff that we saw. She, she did do the dark in uh, Charleston. I'm pretty sure she wrestled yeah. a dark yeah, match yeah. after. So I've seen her wrestle live, Botchamania. Early on, I, I just thought, man, she's missing her cues. Doing she was some stuff. She was definitely in she's, Miami when we when we went to Miami. She we were she was definitely there. Yes, and so you know, then she got injured. She's come back. She's had this great streak in 2021. She looks stronger. She looks leaner. Uh, she looks like she's gotten some better training in. Um, I was just hoping for that not to be some you know screwy finish on the women's title match with with Britt Baker. I thought she and Chris Statlander deserved better. So whoever booked this match, kudos, because I thought Statlander had elevated herself with that lift of both wrestlers the other day. I thought, my goodness, that girl has got to be strong right there. Uh, And then just, you know, there was nothing really screwy from Britt either. You know, she didn't need... Rebel interfering or Jamie Hayter really interfering or, you know, causing the distraction or anything like that. I just thought it was a really good match. And I don't know that it was the went over, got over thing like the Miro Eddie Kingston thing, but I think needing three finishers to take Chris Statlander out also elevated her in this match. I would agree with that 100%. Barker, where did you set on this match? This has to be like, tell me a better female match out of AEW. Yeah. This has to be the best, right? The, the entire Adam. time that we've been sitting here, I, I, I've been thinking that, you know, this is a really big evolution for the women's division in AEW because at one time we had nothing nice to say about any female match that happened in AEW, and that has changed. Well, well let's and be they easy because, go ahead. Uh, they brought in Serena Deeb right for a moment there, and Thunder Rosa uh, had some good matches in there. The Thunder Rosa Britt Baker match I thought was good, you know, but it yeah. had a lot of gack to it, you know. And I was the same like Steve knew. I thought, you know, when all those people came out that this was going to get funky, that there was going to be, uh, you know, way more overbooking than it had to be, but it wasn't. And uh, even though there wasn't a lot of interference from Rebel uh, and. Uh, uh, Jamie Hater. Jamie, yeah, from Jamie. Um, Britt still got some heat, man. Uh, she was doing the dirty stuff in the corner, pushing off the referee, you know, kicks to the face. 
uh, getting frustrated, you know, um, and Brits is fucking great, man, because even though the crowd is going to go DMD, they're still going to boo her and they were getting behind Statlander the whole time. And I think that's says a lot about how good Britt Baker is becoming as a worker. Well, and it's one of the things that I go back to, and I agree with you, Adam. I think this was the best women's match in AEW since Thunder Rosa, Britt Baker. But you knew who the heel was, didn't you? And you knew who the baby face sure. was. That helps a lot. I was that about to say lot. that. You, you know, who that was Miro it, Cody? Was was it, you knew that Miro was the heel, and you knew Eddie Kingston was the baby face. Same thing with Statlander and Britt Baker. You knew who the heel was. You know, even though she gets the cheers and the DMD as a show, like basically a show of respect, it was great traditional wrestling. Well, who was it that said that that came out was like AEW's, uh, you know, their response to that is heels and baby faces don't exist. Who was that was Cody, right? Well, they figured that out real quick. Because, man, tonight we had heels match. and baby faces at every except for one match. We had we had them we had it. Their AEW is just as traditional as fucking WWE is right now. When in that in that account, more so. Derek, this was one of the best women matches I've seen in a long time. Not just for AEW, but just one of the best women's wrestling matches I've seen. Women have a great disadvantage in the world of professional wrestling, and it's body size. They don't react with the ring the same way the men do, so it's harder to get pops with their moves from the crowd. So if you don't have two women that the crowd are invested in strongly for the face and strongly against a heel, you're not going to have a crowd behind them, which means when it comes across on TV, it's going to be time to go to sleep, time to go to the bathroom, time to get something to eat, something like that. The crowd was behind them this whole match. And, and you know, you talked about Britain Thunder Rosa. I don't need, I wasn't even 100% behind that match. I don't think there's been a, a women's AEW match this good since uh, Nyla Rose and Riho wrestled in D.C. And when we were there, that's probably the most energetic crowd I had seen at to that point for a women's match. People were on their feet almost the entire match. It was so weird. They were so invested to see Riho beat Nyla Rose, just like everybody was invested in hopes to see Chris Statlander dethrone Britt Baker. It, it was such a good match. And can I say, the assistance from Rebel to put on the glove needs to stay that little that little spot that needs to be in every one of her matches that that just donning of the glove from my my outside person i don't have to pull it out from nowhere i'm not going to put it on i'm just going to put a hand out she's going to put it on me and i'm going to put away my opponent that needs like to it. stay forever it's just like warming up the sweet like music. Sacco, i'd be an even bigger fan i'll tell you that much <laughs> <laughs> oh so one thing i want to mention while we're sitting here talking about the uh, the card as we go down the line I, I have to give points to AEW for their structure. The structure of this card, it was put together perfectly so that you could go up and down and up and down and up and down and out. And it was it, it was a very perfect build. We go right into the middle. There's a lot of matches on this card that could have been the main event. And this is one of them. The cage comes down. We've got the Young Bucks versus the Lucha Brothers for the tag titles. And this match was... It was everything that you would want from a Young Bucks Lucha Brothers match, but it was also it was also so much more. I, I really enjoyed this match. I was all about it. I love the spot with the with the thumbtack shoe. All everything about this match, I was a fan of. 
Stephen Barker, you sit on a different throne here. What did you think of this tag team cage match? When it comes to Young Bucks matches, other than that FTR match, which I loved, I loved it. I put it over. We've got evidence. I've never liked the Young Bucks. Has nothing to do with the God Emperor because I watched the Young Bucks and Impact or TNA, and I was like, this sucks. I've never liked them. I'm not sold on her minus Lucha, if you want to do it correctly, actually, because it's, you know, Lucha Brothers. But man, uh, except for that, I just, you know, I'm not into any of that hardcore bullshit. I like blood, and it was a cool way to get blood. And it was, and it was the first time I really thought, and you know, I'm not a big Mexican uh, wrestling watcher. <laughs> I've never really noticed or seen like bl- that much blood from masked wrestlers. Yeah. So I dug, I dug that. Penta looked really like brutalized. He, like he right. looked like he got brutalized. Uh, I, 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 here's the problem. And I said this to the woman when we were watching it. And I know that that's what those matches are supposed to be. But man, watching a young bucks match, especially when they have, uh, dance partners that can do just as much acrobatics as they can. It's like watching a Transformers movie. There's just too much. There's too much to fucking pay attention to. You're not really sure what you're looking at. And there was one spot that I hated, and it was when the the older brothers of the couple had the other younger brothers, and then, like, the heel went to the baby face and said, let's do the same move at the same time. That was, I can't deal with that. Adam, you know what I'm talking about, right? When yeah, I, I even made a note there, the double apron spot, you know, like that, no. that just kind of irked me a little bit. Like you would stand there and let your brother take that versus <laughs> deliver some more. I don't know. That was like, and believe me, there was a lot too far in this match for me. I mean, I've mentioned it in the group chat and I, you know, I hesitate to say anything too bad about it because it was a fun match. It was everything it had to be. Um, the tossing of the shoes into the into the ring was like uh, just such a dramatic moment, you know. Almost like putting on the glove for Britt Breaker. It was like had to have this huge launch. And man, good thing he nailed that too, because that would have been a botcha mania clip from all times if it had bounced off that cage or not made it into the ring. Well, there's still a botch because he didn't catch it. Well, but there's still a botch because just right there on the ledge on the top. But it's still a botch because he didn't catch it because those guys are fucking nerds and have never caught a baseball. So they still got a shoe with tacks on it. What if I wouldn't have caught it for nothing? Go ahead, Derek. The other spot that we, well, uh, I want to hear what Derek has to say for sure. The other spot I just couldn't deal with is like when they're standing in a square and it's like super kick down, but then right back up, down, then right back up. Uh, And that's what got the AEW chance. You know, like, yeah, AEW, AEW, you know, and that's just like, that's where, uh, you know, I just have to just agree to disagree on this stuff and watch guys pop up, you know, from a super kick that's supposedly you know this big dangerous move Derek, may i go before you please oh absolutely <laughs> go first for young bucks match that i have ever watched that i have ever liked and it oh, wasn't just shit. because they had the job i was legitimately entertained for this match um i i am old uh and fat like jr so no you're you're I only three years work. older than me will you stop I'm with just, that i'm just teasing uh I, too, was confused about the rules. I didn't know <laughs> if it was supposed to be like a tag or a tornado. Or, 
all four of them going to be in there? Whether well, they are just all four of them going to be in there? I really enjoyed this match. I I loved it. I loved the spots. Uh, I, I I just did everything about it. I thought it, it was the first Young Bucks match that I can say that I truly loved, and um, I've loved the Lucha Brothers, you know, for since since I knew who they were. Uh, but man, I just I just loved everything about this match. Uh, I just really did. And once again, you clearly knew who the faces were. You clearly knew who the heels were and, and the bucks have embraced that, you know, heel persona and, and looking to hurt people. Uh, and I just, I think both teams just really pulled it off. And the Lucha brothers, you guys are talking about the, the blood under the masks and everything like that. There was no outside interference other than the bag coming in with the, with the spike chew. Um, but I mean, you really got the sympathetic baby faces, you know, that the crowd was clearly behind, uh, and the young bucks just, you know, doing that amazing flippy stuff that they do. But in this context, I think it, it worked. I would agree with that. Derek Jones, where did you stand on this match? All right, so I got a lot to say, but I'm going to make it real quick and real fast. Barker, fuck you in your comments. Adam Harris, I don't agree with nothing you just said. Steve knew like the Young Bucks match, so I'm all on board. Listen, the great thing about luchadors is you don't see them bleed a lot because they have a mask on, so they made it make sense. They ripped the mask before they ever did the blood spots, so there's there's exposure there. They, they didn't just do something stupid, and it's like, oh, I wonder what happened there. Where the fuck's that blood coming from? Yeah, I wasn't crazy about the whole four square, everybody get a super kick, everybody throw a punch, everybody do this. When it got to the end and you thought, okay, he's going to be the last guy standing, and then somebody else jumps up and it went all the way back around the horn again to the double clothesline, and it, it is, it's supposed to be there because that's their style of match. They have to throw it in there. Both teams do it. They could have made the whole match perfectly choreographed, and it would have looked stupid, but they didn't. They had their one little segment, their one little spot. Everything else was very um, organic feeling. I love the double apron spot because it's, hey, you've got my little brother and you're going to drive his head through the mat. Well, fuck you. I'm going to do the same thing. Either let him go or they're both getting it. I'm on board. Seto, Mieto. Steve New, I am so happy you like the Young Bucks match. You can't understand how happy I am. <laughs> well, understand. I am Ray Phoenix coming off the top of that cage. Oh, my God. I really don't like those uh, – ring around a rosy, let's all line up and hold everybody up and somebody comes off. I typically don't like that stuff, but man, Ray Phoenix coming off of there, uh, man. So, and, and that's another thing. So the first thing, I, can I just say, I love, and I told you guys this, I'm pretty sure, I love that AEW cage. It looks so much bigger and taller and just intimidating. I don't know what it is. I love the look of it. But, yes, standing down there in respect to Pentagon because he stood front and center ready to catch his brother. You know, if anybody's going to be down there to catch me that I'm going to trust, it's going to be him. And, man, he was there right square in the middle of it. Respect to him for that. I was very surprised that the Luke brothers went over here I, I was not expecting that to happen i was expecting the young bucks to hang on to the tag titles for a long time i i didn't expect that but i was not disappointed you know i i, I was okay so with did it. you like the match resident i did i loved the match i thought it was a great match adam you said something in our group chat uh 
which one of these days, for the benefit of the residents of the house at Kayfabe, we may do that live. On our Patreon, of course. Watch along on our Patreon. (laughs) But, Adam, you said something in the group chat that I was wondering, and I wanted to ask you when when I could hear your reaction in real time and, and live. Was that snark? You commenting about Penta's family after the match and that kind of thing? Or- oh, my God. He bled all over his own children. <laughs> oh, my God. That was Who insane. Who has it? How I mean, heartwarming, right? Yes. Oh, my gosh. You know, like. That was, yeah. I've seen that like comment, Mick too. Foley's family was all backstage, right? Like, he didn't, like, that time The Rock gave him 16 chair shots. Well, they went like, backstage because they children. were horrified. They didn't want to stay there. They of were they, they were. were. Side, they were on the, they were on ringside before that. And they should have shown that later like they should have said hey guys earlier we had a match of the century and here's penta sitting with his family they were so worried about him they came backstage you know i think um, apparently they were supposed to actually join him in the ring and something happened with that if you if you notice he did look like he was yeah, he was motioning right? yeah. for them to come into the ring and then something happened because you seen phoenix and the other guy jumped out of the ring really quick after that and then Pentagon got out of the ring, and then he went over to hug his family like he couldn't. Well, but, like he didn't have time. Penta had been waving the family up, and the one little girl was crying really oh, hard, you know. And then he bled all over. <laughs> so if you guys watch, um, pretty much any match that those guys are in in AAA after the match, the family comes to to join them. So I, I, it's one of those things they're making it a tradition for them for the little girl. Um, but I guess they didn't know if, you know, if AEW was going to allow it or not. Oh, that's so too bad because they should have paid more attention to that. You know, I'm laughing, you know, kind of, uh, yeah, pretty snarkily, I guess. But like, <laughs> um, they should have made a bigger deal out of that. You know, that's too bad. You know, they should have been more uh, uh, observant of that or tried to do it in a different way. Like I said, I still think the backstage thing would have worked. I don't know. I think well, that there was something to be said for children with blood on their faces is not necessarily something <laughs> you want to keep on camera for too long, no matter <laughs> what. Would they show that on Dynamite? Like, seriously. Like, would they have that on TNT? I don't think that they could. I mean, children with blood on their faces is never uh, never really PC. I mean, TNT had Lord of the Rings on, like, the last, like couple weeks ago. Are there bloody children in Lord of the Rings? I mean, damn. People got upset about a pizza pizza cutter. Okay, so so we've talked a lot about this. Well, they they should have been upset about the pizza cutter. They should have been upset about Nick Gage being on television. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) So this is a great match, uh, I thought, and Barker did not think, but regardless. I didn't uh, hate it. It was a good time. So now we go into the Casino Battle Royal, which is all <laughs> which is all female this time. And and you know, I could tell that a lot of these females have never been in a battle royal before because there were a lot of people in this match that a lot of times looked very lost. There was a lot of females in this match that looked like they had not been in matches before. <laughs> Much less a battle royal. Are you kidding me? That was fucking terrible. Derek Jones, I'm going to give you the first crack to defend this match against. He's uh, not going to. I, know, I, I, I know Derek Jones. I did not to. think this was as bad as you're acting. Go ahead, so Derek. It, it got a little jumbled at times. I'm not going to say that it didn't, but show me a good battle royal that doesn't get jumbled at times. 
there are moments in in every battle royal where you're where you're supposed to be looking at these two over here, and all you see is that guy over there just laying in the lazy forearm. It's like, man, what's what, what's he doing? Why can I not stop watching this when I should be focused on this? And and that's that's Barker. He's always focused on that guy over there. You know, he's probably the one that exposed the original Dark Order guy laying in the lazy forearms to Dustin early on in AEW. Um, but I'm mean, my so goodness, it, it, it was rough. You know, poor Brandon Cutler. Question, um, qu- question I have is what the hell was rebel Wilson doing when she was trying to do a split on the rope? And I that well, looked awkward as shit. What the hell was that? Like what was going she was on? Trying there? to be sexy. Cause anytime we see a girl do a split, it's sexy. It's supposed it looked, to be. It looked it like looked she fucking ac- awkward. It looked like she accidentally did a split and then she got kicked. I mean, it was just, it just didn't make any sense. Like the whole spot. Well, I mean, none of this fucking match made sense. It didn't have to make sense because it was there for the sole purpose of Ruby Soho. Of but AEW you know what? Before we talk to see hot before girls, we talk about Ruby Soho, I gotta say that Jade Cargill really showed her ass in this thing. That she she looked she looked like Kevin Nash walking around that ring. She was so <laughs> much bigger. Oh, she was much bigger than everybody. I, mean, I just mean the size wise. Oh, she was yeah. just so much bigger Here's than everybody. The thing. Derek's right. You've got rules to a battle royal, you know, and you've got to have jabronis thrown out. You've got to have the guy or the gal who stays around from the one or two position a really, really, really long time. Then you got to have a monster come in and clear out four or five people. That should have been Nyla Rose or uh, Jade Cargill. Why did Uh, we lose Abaddon so early? I I feel like Abaddon could have stayed. She she should have stuck around. That makes sense to me either. You know, I expected her to have a good run. And this is one thing I'm going to make sure I say is because they did the four levels, right? Like there's, uh, you know, all four classes. Why not tell the story of, and I think I made notes here that, and if I'm correct, Bunny stayed in the longest from the first group, right? They should have been telling that story. Like, they should have. if you're going to have these people come out like this, it needs to tell a story, at least one. You know, like I said, and it should have, it could have been Nyla Rose, you know, who, like you said, came in and cleared, should have cleared house. You know, like, there then should have been like, there's no one left from the first two rounds, you know, like, oh, only the, uh, you know, diamonds remain or something like that. Um, that being said, you know, man, they tried to give everybody a spot and I just would like to say like, oh man, Kira Hogan got b- taken out way too soon. She, I think is an amazing star. She is. Uh, one of the best people on impact, you know, and she, she was is. in and out and it was because you, you almost missed her entire appearance because they were doing everybody's music and they were trying to cut and it never worked. They never showed the, 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 the person entering we seen Rio like Rio got thrown out and the now the announcers were talking about did Rio just get eliminated I think she did I'm not sure did we see it I swear I think Rio went over the second rope (laughs) I don't know that she went over the top rope I don't know that she did either you know and maybe that was part of the rules Uh, you know did they ever say Rio is out of the match I mean (laughs) 
Like they couldn't even undo it at that point if it was messed up. Well, you know, this was a mess, and Adam actually brought it up in the chat. One of the biggest problems is a lot of the camera angles. They were not giving you this is the thing you should be looking at. And I hear what you said about me, Derek Jones. I heard your little burial. But the thing is, you just saw this big ass fucking ring. Look, when Kane shows up at the Royal Rumble, he comes in and he throws 12 motherfuckers out. And you see Kane throw 12 motherfuckers out. So you can say what you want to about Derek Jones, and you're probably right, and maybe not. But they just showed this big-ass ring with a bunch of bullshit happening, and they didn't tell any story. And you're right, the bunny, and Stephen P. knew the answer to your question is yes, she's hot. She's got hot. a funny-looking mouth. Have you seen the rest of her? Well, yeah. Then there you go. That's well, the that's answer. That's the problem with having four people come out at once because you're trying to get four musics, four entrances, and they all want to do something when they get in. Well, it's five, isn't it? Do. Isn't it five? Well, well however five. many it was. Yeah, whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, so many people come out at once. It brings me to the high point. What uh, Derek Jones said was the high point and the whole reason for this entire match was to bring out Ruby Soho. And Ruby Soho, of course, uh, used to be Ruby Riot. And the biggest thing for me for this match. Still is, according to JR. Well, the, the oh, did he call her Ruby Riot? At the very end, yeah. at oh, the really? very end. I miss so, that. So, the the biggest thing for me was hearing Rancid got a paycheck yes. for this event, and that <laughs> Lars was and Tim got paid. Yes, Lars Any and time Tim. that Lars Fredrickson and Tim Armstrong could get money, I'm for it. Because yes. man, I mean, we're going to talk about too much music about on this, but like Rancid's one of my favorite bands of all time. And the thing is, she was called Ruby Riot in the WWE because. Rancid has a song called I Want a Riot. Like her whole career has been, you know, Rancid uh, centric. So, yeah. I, I love that they I, like the the whole Tony Khan's not afraid to buy music thing. People can talk Man, shit about that. They can talk shit about that all they want. But when it comes down to it, when you've got that many people singing songs that they know at a live event, they're having the time of their lives. People love to huge difference. People love to say, let's just go ahead and be honest, Brian. I don't mean to interrupt you. I don't think that whoever from Baltimore, you know, was waiting around, you know, those residuals from that crest commercial wore off about 25 years ago. Okay. I mean, you know, so jungle boys got Baltimore Tarzan boy. Now Derek Jones, like it or not, people sing along with wild thing. You know, Jericho's got his own music. Which I have I an issue is with that version of Wild Thing. Fantastic. It's the Joan Jett version, right? Right. I don't think it is. It's, no, it's they, they had somebody redo it. They, but anyway, to your point, Reznor, absolutely kudos to Tony Khan for real music. You know, and, and Jim Watts' his name at the WWE has done a great job coming up with some iconic self-owned WWE themes through the years, it ain't as good as JYD's Another One Bites the Dust. But it here's the thing. The free bird's free bird. Here's the thing about all that, Steve, and, and I know you know for a fact, the problem is back then they weren't paying. They were just using it and not asking for permission because they, like, the Road Warriors never owned Iron Man. They just fucking Part of the beauty it. of territory wrestling is the fact that they were just <laughs> ripping off Jerry, Jared Darren, somebody. Darren's easy top to come down there and sue him. But I, I love this. Love Ruby Soho. Uh, Derek, how dare you comment about the young lady's nose? She can't help that. Kudos Who's to her. What lady? Listen, 
It's the only flaw on that woman, I promise. Because I am a one. Ruby Riot. I am a huge fan on a lot of different levels. Let me tell you. The the, the tattoos tattoos and the multicolored hair. Listen, I, I'm getting ready to marry one, all right? That's that works for me. <laughs> well, Ruby R- Ruby Soho did look great tonight. She she worked great. I loved the, that it came down to her and Thunder Rosa. Thunder Rosa is so good. Like, it's, everything she does looks like she d- doesn't even realize that this shit's choreographed. And I, I love watching her perform, and, and coming down to Ruby and her was a great way to finish this. It really turned uh, a bucket of shit into a, into a chocolate shake. Okay, so let's just address how much Derek Jones doesn't like Jade Cargill. Because I think that if she can learn, she's a fucking star. Because there at one point, and I said in the chat, you know, when you saw this fucking gigantic shit show going on, it was just this one, one, one shot of this ring with like 17 people in it. The one person that you could fucking find out. Find her every time. Every time. Every if that time. girl learns how to work, she's going to be Charlotte Flair. So that's what if I was going to learn how to work. To be honest, where she needs to be is a WWE. A Jade, she need, okay, so like, that brings up what I talked to Adam on, uh, on offline. We, I didn't know that Ruby was going to show up, and apparently you all have, are plugged in and new. And I said to Adam, AEW, despite what AEW fans want to say about it, they need some. They need some people that were at the PC. They need some performance center trained athletes for sure. And when they had that, and I think the end of that battle royal was clunky, uh, you know, on the apron. And I said in the chat, I was like, they need to give Britt Baker. Uh, Ruby, they she needs a because man, Brad Baker, she had a good match tonight, but dude, she ain't Charlotte, she ain't Sasha, she ain't fucking Becky, she ain't Bailey, she's not even fucking close. She was just a good AW female wrestler tonight. She needs somebody who's properly trained, like Ruby Riot, Ruby Soho. Do you, Derek? Do you agree that they need some more? properly female uh trained artists if you will well yeah i mean why would you not want people that can work in your company that's about working the problem is is some of the people you named here just a minute ago that she's not close to still can't work who did i just name that you say can't work well, I mean, so you said Charlotte and Sasha. Like, I, I like Charlotte is the best. She can't work. Okay. Charlotte. All right. So we Charlotte learns how to land a moonsault. She can't work. Okay. So we've spent way too much time talking about this female battle royal on AEW. And Derek just said that uh, Charlotte Flair can't work. So obviously, it's Jesus getting late. It is, it, is getting, it is getting late, and we are getting delirious, especially, especially Mr. Derek Jones. So let's move on. We've got a lot more to talk about because now we're talking about MJF and Chris Jericho, the countdown and the the Jericho's last match with him coming out with a king's robe on, MJF, oh, I love him. I love him. <laughs> Stephen P. New, tell me your thoughts on this, uh, this entrance. I, I loved MJF's entrance. Uh, Jericho's not so much. Um, oh, that was... 
that was just that was cringe. Brutal. You know, and it it, it it totally blew up in their face. Um, this rivalry needs to die for all the reasons that MJF shoot interview a couple weeks ago said this needed to end. You know, an I know. interesting thing before we, we get away from the entrances, uh, we had the, the guitar player from Fozzie, who's also the guitar player from Stuck Mojo, playing Jericho to the ring. Interesting tidbit, he is actually the ex-husband of Daphne, who recently took her life after an Instagram oh, video. Yeah, um, that was a thing. Rest rest in peace to Daphne. And, you know, always if... Uh, you know, if well, he couldn't have given her a little bit of shout out. Maybe had a Daphne T-shirt on or something tonight. What the heck? He, there, he, you know what? You we could talk about that. There was a glaring uh, uh, lack of that. They needed to probably do something. Did WWE do anything? No, I don't think so. See, that's not right. They probably to do they something. did on Instagram. Everybody stuff. did it on social media. Yeah, on social, right. that's um, not enough. I don't even the things they talked about during that battle royal. You know, you think they would have mentioned? Does, any, does anyone know if Impact did know. it? Did Impact do anything for? Her? I haven't got to watch Impact. Um, I'm not they, sure if they did. Watch Impact. I would think that media, Impact. I'm sure I'm, I would think that Impact would do something for her since she was active competitor there. Um, other than WCW, though, I mean, she would never have had anything to do with AEW or WWE. Not not saying that they should well, mention I mean, her. the guy, her, her ex-husband came out and played guitar. He did. He did. And too. I don't know her work enough, but I bet you somebody in the match tonight or multiple people in the matches tonight might have done moves in tribute to her also. We'll probably we might find that out. Mm-hmm. Now, that's the downer part, but let's just bury that fucking intro that Jericho did. I think that that, no, I could totally see that that would have sounded really good on paper. Like, hey, let's do this. Let's bring out the guitar player. Let's let the people sing the song. But to do it properly, they really needed the whole band. And where they didn't right. have the whole band, the crowd couldn't keep up because they couldn't hear the changes like they would if no. the whole band was there. So it was like singing karaoke, but with just one instrument. And it just did not turn out to be as good as they originally thought it was going to be. Shows you how important the rhythm drummer. section is, isn't it, Barker? Yeah. That's what I was about to say, you man. That's what happens when you got the drummers, drums, by God. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> that, that's 100% true. As a singer, without the drums, it, it's it's hard to keep you know, it's hard to keep in line where you're where you're supposed to be, and that's exactly what happened with that crowd tonight. And the bass is really heavy in that Judas song, if you think about it. That boom, 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 boom. Well, that bass is boom, real heavy boom, to cover boom, up the bad boom. singing that's going on in that song. <laughs> that is a great song, and I, I don't, I do not hate on Jericho's rock career like you do. I think. Uh, well, let's go ahead and hate on this match. Okay, so uh, well, I guess we'll start with you, Barker. Obviously, you didn't enjoy the match, so tell me why. Oh, Jericho. The original ending to that match was perfect. It gave MJF the win, and then it gave Jericho the out for it not to be his retirement match because we all know, and and for the record, I know that Adam Harris, who's a decades-long friend of mine, and Derek, who is a weeks-to-months-long friend of mine, I know that we all here love Chris Jericho, but he has been fucking up for a while. That whole five labors thing was a fucking disaster. They didn't need to do the, I'm going to retire. He just needed to come out there and stare up at the lights. 
Come out there and do the fucking job. You're 50, this man's 25, and everybody knows who's seen MJF that in five years he's going to be fucking headlining WrestleMania. So just go ahead and be part of the stepping stone. But he's a fucking egomaniac, and he just can't do the original ending was perfect. He, he wouldn't have to retire because we all saw that he didn't really lose, but NJF did win. And I said in the chat, and we talked about it so much, fellas, that we're going to have to make it part of the fucking Patreon. And it's going to be an upper level. You're going to have to spend two to three digits to get in top, to get in that fucking thing. I was going to suggest doing it for do free the in the residence group, but whatever. Okay. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. But I said, if he don't do the job, I'm not going to forgive him for that because that's what he should be there for. He's 50. He's on the fucking decline elevate everybody that you can because people elevated him. You know what I mean? He's been, he, he, and, and he loves the business and we know that Jericho does, but he's a fucking rock star egomaniac. And the original ending of this was perfect. And then they had to fuck it up afterwards. I don't know. I thought it was a good match. I thought Chris brought more than he has brought lately. Um, you know, and I, I think he was deserving of the you still got it chance. It, it's a it was a better match tonight, and I think it was because of Max. Um, it was a better match out of Jericho than I have seen him have in in quite a while, and and I thought it went along with that. Well, all the pressure is on Jericho, you know, to perform, and. Uh, and I thought he did. I rather liked the match. One thing that I noticed is MJF couldn't really work. And you, you kind of forget about that because he never wrestles. We never see MJF ever wrestle. And when you do see him wrestle, <laughs> then you actually get to see that this guy could actually go. Um, Derek Jones, when when you seen this match, are you on the same page as, as Stephen Barker or, or in a different lane? So... Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, I'm not like an over the top Jericho fan. I have a lot of respect for Chris Jericho and his career. You put um, him on your Mount Rushmore on our Mount Rushmore episode. I truly, in and I said it in, even in the chat against my personal feelings. I truly think Chris Jericho is legitimately the goat of professional wrestling. I think he's done it enough and with enough different people in enough different companies at a different level and a different character without ever changing the structure of Chris Jericho to be considered the greatest of all time. It doesn't mean I'm the biggest Chris Jericho fan. It means I can be realistic when I say that I think he's the GOAT. It's, it's just the way it is. I thought this was probably the worst Jericho match I've seen in a long time. Did you see I the Lusentude match? Yeah, I, I did, and I didn't expect a lot out of that. I, I expected more out of this match. Um, and when Steve says he thinks he Jericho brought a lot more to this one, what he really means is he put a lot more umph in that uh, lion salt, and he didn't almost kill himself this week. So uh, we're really happy that he didn't die on TV. Man, I, I you guys this are being felt really, really flat to me. You guys are being really hard on Jericho. I think <laughs> you're being really hard say, on Chris I Jericho. I am the ultimate Jericho mark from all time, and I will say he did look good tonight. He looked better than he has looked in a while. Uh, nailed the lion salt at a l- much larger distance than even MJF didn't think he was going to make it and was ready to move in. Uh, he also hit the uh, springboard drop kick, which sometimes is hit or miss these days. He nailed it, and that's when Tony Schiavone was like, 
we're getting all the hits, you know, which was cool. It was great to see Jericho performing at that level. He, you know, I don't, I'm with Steve Barker in that the the finish could have worked for me with the, with the foot on the ropes. Like you can always come back from that always. And, and, you know, it's okay to still take time off or say like you're fighting it or the referee's uh, stance, uh, you know, stands, but instead, yeah, exactly. Hire a lawyer, uh, uh, bring over smart Mark Sterling, cheap, or get a real lawyer like uh, Stephen P. New. Yep, cheap plug. You mean cheap the plug. fake Stephen New? No, that guy. That guy is not pulling off Stephen P. New. I've I've seen him on TV, and I'm, I always think to myself, why don't they have Steve doing this? Man, you better be glad you can't sue for fucking gimmick infringement. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. I'll say, nice, nice. <laughs> if you're not watching, if you're listening on podcast, you'll see Derek Jones hugging, not Stephen P. New. But Here's the, the other thing is like, did you guys like when Jericho tapped out to MJF? You know, like it didn't look good, right? Like that was him putting him over, but I don't know why they had to come back and do one more match. I just really don't. I do because man, Jericho's an egomaniac and, and he's not there to dude. Christian Cage came in and he's making people look good. CM Punk came in and those guys are both younger than CM Punk or uh, than uh, fucking Jericho. And they're making people look good. And Jericho is not interested in making people look good. He's trying to be David Lee Roth in the 80s, and you're not. You're David Lee Roth in he, the 2020s. He, I honestly act think fucking that, accordingly. I honestly think that Jericho thinks he's helping MJF. That if MJF beats Chris Jericho three times out of four, that he's helping to make MJF. I don't know that that's the right way of thinking about this. I'm very disappointed in him because See, I've always respected the fact that he loves the business and he'll do what's right, but he's not done what's right for MJ. I feel like I, I feel I like know. I feel like I disagree with every single one of you on this because Chris Jericho is making MJF. He's he, been putting him over for over a year. Yeah, yeah he has worked. He has worked on MJF for over a year, and I think he's done a great job. I'm. I'm. I am not as disappointed with this match as you guys are. I mean, I do Who's agree. the better end of that rivalry, Reznor? MJF? Yes. I, I was going to say, is, is next week or next Wednesday, is MJF going to come in on a high and be like, I just fucking retired, fake retired, if they'd have done the first uh, finish. If the, the, I just retired this guy. I will agree with to that. go to CM Punk. Jericho's getting the better end of the MJF-Jericho feud. That's right? my he point. He's riding the coattails of the hottest young guy in pro wrestling. Jericho's the guy that needs MJF's rub, not the other way around. Yep. yep. Mm, that's interesting. I don't know if I agree with that. I do agree that both of them are getting a rub off this, but I will say that MJF is learning. A, uh, he is learning things that are, are crucial to, to his development. I believe that uh, that he's he's really getting something out of this, even though you guys don't believe that. I agree with you, Reznor, and I agree with Barker. He'll still be headlining WrestleMania if that's if that's his future in five years. It doesn't matter win or loss tonight. In the big picture of things, they'll say, "Man, him and Jericho uh, worked together for a whole year back in AEW." You know, uh, when they make his documentary in twenty years, that'll yep. be a snippet okay. of the documentary. Well, you know, I I do agree that the finish should have stayed. You know, the finish was good. You did not have to redo that finish. I, I will agree with that. But I, I'm not going to sit here and say Jericho is 
is being uh, an egomaniac and not uh, not doing what's right for the business. I won't I won't agree with that. But and you did Hager and Wardlow battle also. I just want to say it was just like too much. What what did that make any sense at all? Like why where did they come from? You didn't need to see Hager that that time. And distracted Aubrey. Right. All right, Derek. Hey, tell him, us. Derek. Hey, wait. Get him, Derek. So the reason for the Wardlow Jake Hager. So who come down to separate Wardlow and Jake Hager, but officials and the official had to be there for the first finish of the match, not to stand. Oh, shit. you couldn't have just had an extra referee side. That shit don't make sense. No. Right. Oh, no. shit. True. Yeah, no, you're Very right true. about that. Except that back to the original point is that the finish should have stayed. Just have the rope, have Aubrey not see it. You know, there didn't need to be well, a referee there. To yeah, but y'all got to let that go. That ain't happening. Well, another thing that I would agree with, <laughs> another thing that I would agree with that you, that you guys said is that CM Punk, is making people look good. And we seen that in his very first match coming back. CM Punk versus Darby Allen. First match in seven years. And honestly, he didn't really miss a step. Um, I, he, he showed me everything I wanted to see and made Darby look like a million bucks. That This whole match was great. And I, I really enjoyed it. Let's hear from the non-CM Punk fan from Steve and then Derek afterwards. Well, as I said in the group chat, by God, a professional wrestling match broke out in the middle of an AEW pay-per-view. There was a collar and elbow lockup to start the match. Yes. And then there was a go-behind and hammer locks and uh, headlocks. I, I mean, and then they got into some of their flippy stuff and off of the top rope and... You know, the, the near-miss go-to-sleeps, which I really loved. Man, what what a match, though. I, I mean, um, I don't care how many minutes it was announced for. It didn't seem like it was as long as it was. And, I mean, Punk can talk about his own conditioning or training or whatever. For a guy who hadn't done that in seven years... He sure didn't appear to have ring rust from where I was sitting. Well, CM Punk got over, and as you say, Darby Allen, uh, or or what CM Punk went over, Darby Allen got over uh, for sure in this match. Well, and I stand by what I said a week or two ago. I think Punk chose Darby Allen due to size and maybe the ability to do some things uh, because Punk wasn't going to come in and throw around. Uh, Wardlaw or the Murder Hawk or anybody like that, Miro, that's not who he should have had for his first match back. Darby Allen's how big, Derek? About 150 pounds, 155 pounds, maybe? I, I think he clocks at 170. He's not, I mean, he's not real big. Oh, my left ass cheek. I don't think he's Darby 170 Allen. close. But anyway. I'm telling you, this match was perfect for CM Punk's return. Uh, it, it just was. In, in terms of opponent, you didn't have to have a ton of heat. It didn't have to be a grudge match. It just had to be uh, a great match coming back, which I thought it was. Yeah, it was great to uh, to, to, to see that, to see that he, he could go. Did, did he did he make amends with you, Reznor? Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Did he make back up with you? <laughs> he no. did. Well, he made back Are you up all with together me together again. He, he made back up with me when he showed up. I was, 
I, I, I forgave him, even though I still remember, you know, the abuse. Okay, so wait a minute, though. Before we go to Derek to get his thoughts on this, uh, if y'all to watch that fucking interview that I sent that Derek bitched about, he was on Renee Pasquiat's fucking podcast, whatever her name is, uh, Jan's wife. He said that he would have been back earlier, but he didn't want to come back without fans. He said that like the whole part of wrestling and as a musician, the whole part of being a musician is the the feedback and that back and forth. So if we would have had fans, Brian, you may have got your love back maybe a year and a half ago or yet uh, March 18th of last year. So you may have had him earlier. It seems like he'd been ready to come back if you watch that interview. And y'all, I posted it, so y'all should watch it. As much as Derek bitched about it. <laughs> he talked about, I, I wanted to come back, but I didn't want to come back to an empty arena. And he did say, God love to everybody who did it, to did uh, empty arena matches. But for him being an old school mentality, it's about, you know, the back and forth. So if it wasn't for the pandemic, we may have got CM Punk 18 months ago. Okay, we will post that video in the House Kayfabe Residence Group on Facebook. If you're not a part of the House Kayfabe Residence Group, make sure you join the Residence Group and you will see the things that we talk about here on the show. Derek Jones, CM Punk, first match, seven years. What? How did you feel about it? So... The people that are watching on YouTube probably have a pretty good understanding right now. Anybody that's listened to the show might have a little bit of an understanding and people that just know me in general or have known me for years may know a little bit, but in case you don't know, I'm a little bit of a mark for CM Punk. If you're listening and not watching, I legitimately have the brand new CM Punk shirt on the one from Chicago on the back that says I was there and I've got the straight edge society mask on just for Steve new. Uh, I, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm turning into his Excalibur cause I know he doesn't like, uh, the mark in a mask at the commentary booth. So I'm going to be the mark on the podcast. He's growing on me with the mask. Okay. So out of the way, I'm a huge CM Punk fan. Um, I probably could have seen no wrong in this match. So I tried to be, I tried to be very diplomatic watching it. I, I seen him miss two uh, very easy things. It, uh, he missed grabbing a wrist, pulling Darby out of a corner one time. And it kind of bothered me a little bit. Uh, I probably overanalyzed this match a lot, but as a whole, I don't think anybody in this chat and probably anybody listening to this will understand just how genuinely happy I am to watch this man wrestle again. It's so good. The match was good. He couldn't have picked a better opponent to start off with. And like you said, Steve, he didn't need a big guy. Um, let him shake some of the rust off first. He needed somebody that he could work a little bit. And like you said, by God, I wish Darby was a little more vocal in the ring because him holding on to that hammerlock, I just wanted to watch him yell wrestling every time he, he reversed it and come back around the corner with him. And, and the transitions when, you know, Punk's trying to get out and Darby's just floating with him, you know, as a shoot wrestler, you know, you know, riding somebody's hips and, and taking control of a body like that, you, you appreciate the ability and the skill it takes to follow somebody and watching Darby do that for, I mean, they did it for three or four minutes of just, you know, transition holds, man. It, it was good. It was so good. 
Like, I, I want to try to put this match over more and more, but I don't want to really get way deep into the rabbit hole. But, but I'm just telling you, like, this this match is what, you know, you asked earlier what the rating of the pay-per-view was, and it's 10 for me. It could have been this match. I would have I would have watched this match, and still, it's a 10. Because that Same outweighed thing. anything bad that happened, anything bad that happened in those other matches. This match was my 10. Adam Harris, Can what I were add your... one more thing, sure. Reznor, please? Sure. Uh, this match was the exception to mine and Barker's typical rule of you got to have a face, you got to have a heel. This wasn't a grudge match, and I don't think that it needed to be. I think Sting being in the back was a good thing, and you knew that Chicago's going to be behind Punk more, but they didn't really boo Darby Allen if you think about it. I, they booed you know. him once. He did something when he came up to the the. Yeah, he acted like he was going to do the GTS, and they did boo him once. Well, that's just good, smart ass right there. He I should mean, have kept I, going though. I think he should have kept. Yeah, going. I mean, but my point is, ordinarily, I think you got to have a baby face and you got to have a heel. You didn't need one for this match to be great. Adam Harris, what did you think about this match? I can be quick on this. I mean, I agree with Derek. It was exciting to have CM Punk back. Uh, it was no longer than I expected it to be. It went just the right length for me. It was the perfect opponent. You know, I kind of wish there was more of a beef, uh, you know, like more of a personal grudge versus like, but I agree, you know, Punk would be a fan of Darby Allen. They are similar styles. And so it makes a lot of sense. Um, I thought the match was perfectly paced. Uh, and I won't say anything bad about CM Punk because I want the internet to like me. Now, Bar- <laughs> Barker, <laughs> Barker, as a uh, as a fan of CM Punk, were you as as happy as Derek was? I was happy to see him work again. I was very happy. Here's the thing that I will posit to you all: I spent a good portion of the day getting ready, watching old school Summer of Punk footage on YouTube, and one of the things that we loved about him. And it really crystallized as I was watching it today. He was Stone Cold Steve Austin, but he was more cerebral. Like Stone Cold Steve Austin was raging against the machine, but he was just giving you two fucking thumbs or two, two fingers up and kicking your ass. CM Punk was was raging in, in the same way, but he was eviscerating them on the mic. My question is, can we can he still be great if he's not shredding Triple H and John Laurinaitis? And uh, man, as much as he's fucked up in his life, his uh, feud with Alberto was fucking great. And he was always raging against the machine in a more cerebral way than Stone Cold, but it was the same character. It was Stone Cold being the redneck that was just, I'll kick your ass. And this was the smart punk rock guy who has the verbal ability and wasn't like Stone Cold didn't have the verbal ability. But I spent a lot of time watching him. And that was what we loved about him, or for me anyway. It's what I loved most about him. And I know that people like Derek, Loved him because of his great matches before that in Ring of Honor. But can he sustain this? Not to rain on a parade. I'm going to pause it to you, Derek. Can he sustain this glad-handing babyface 
for th- for that long? Or is he eventually going to have to be like, you know what, Tony Khan, you're the new Vince McMahon, and I'm going to have to cut some promos? It, it doesn't have to be Tony Khan. CM Punk can can have that chip on his shoulder with just about anybody. The the authority at the time was just they were the people not allowing him to elevate himself to be where he is and what he is now. CM Punk has he he's there. He doesn't have to climb that ladder anymore, so he can direct that to anybody else. I mean, you have the perfect opposition since Jericho didn't retire. The guy that promotes his own alcohol product against a guy that's still straight edge. Well, (laughs) Well, you do have that, but you also have the fact that the elite are all vice presidents of this company. I mean, this you have your machine to rage against. So are you all agreeing that for him to stay relevant and interesting and, and over and so historical, because let's be honest, if he had never done the summer of punk and fighting against John Cena, he would just be another indie darling. But those two years put him on another level. And those last seven years of people begging for him to come back would have never happened if it wasn't for those two years fighting against that machine. So are you saying that he does need don't, that machine? I'm not saying he needs the machine, but I'm going to say that he has it if he does. Exactly. Okay. Spot on, Rez. All right, so when we come out of this match, which we could talk about CM Punk wrestling for the first time in seven years for the next hour and a half if we really wanted to. So how long has it been since Paul White wrestled? Does anyone know and care? No, no one knows. No one cares. (laughs) But we then go in to see Paul White versus QT Marshall. Uh, QT Marshall. Marshall, excuse me. Sorry. QT Marshall versus Paul White. And... I will say I want this review of this match to be as short as the match was. Uh, Paul Paul White looked bigger than we've ever seen him look, and I know that there were you know there was talks about him cutting weight and him getting more toned, but right now he is definitely larger than I've seen him in a, at least in a very long time. Would you agree with that, Stephen Barker? Dude, he looks bigger than when they sent him to OVW. He looks bigger than he did then. And like, he doesn't need to wrestle. Big Slow doesn't need to be on your fucking, (laughs) on your TV. Adam, when was the last time you're like, you know what I need? A Big Slow fucking match. Oh man! Even when he was like the Big Slow and he was like wrestling the Rock, did you need him then, even then? He's always going to be, to me, a believable challenger. Like, he'll always be a believable threat, but he'll always, you know, be able to take the fall. This match should not have been any longer than the promo package, right? Like, our package (laughs) was as long as it needed to be or shorter, right? Like, it should not have been longer than the the package. You know, the one thing that you say, okay, sure, we don't want to see Paul White wrestle again. But I'll tell you, if you have heard, talk about Mark Henry as well. Mark Henry as an interviewer is maybe one of the worst things I've ever heard in my life. Like, it, it's <laughs> so fucking awkward from start to finish. And he never knows what to say. He always asks the wrong questions. It, it just, it's not second nature to him. Some people can do that. Some people can't. He cannot. Paul White is okay on on the mic when he you know he's doing the play by play and stuff like that. But then they show the <laughs> they show the booth and you see this giant man who's twice the size of both the men beside of him. And it just looks weird. So uh, at least Paul's doing the job a little bit better than Mark Henry. And I'm not saying that Mark Henry is necessarily 
doing a bad job. It's just not his job. This is not. Would you, who his would job. you rather ro- watch wrestle, Mark Henry or Big Slow? Mark Henry. Exactly. That's my point. My, well, I, my I, point. I'd rather watch Mark Henry all day. I, I think. I think Mark Henry's last um, last run as the as the heel that that retired and then turned on John Cena and all that stuff. That's the guy right there, the silverback. That's the guy. That's yeah. who you want to to actually wrestle in AEW, not not be a commentator. And the same thing with Big Show. It's like I would much rather see him wrestle than I would see him in the commentating booth. But I don't know that. I mean, I just I don't want to say I don't want to see Big Show. You know, because I like. I mean, I don't want to diss Big Show. I mean, he's got his place in in history. He's got his place in anywhere he wants Goldberg. to be. Um, he's definitely a better, uh, you know, better option than bringing out Oldberg. But, um, yeah, for sure. But I, I just, th- this was definitely, uh, th- it took a long time to get through this, even though it was a really short match. I was expecting, uh, you know, a couple headbutts to the other guys and a big choke slam, one, two, three, and then we're done. And we're headed off to the main event. And that's really exactly where I want to go because there's not much more to say about this match. It was a squash match. It was just a squash match that took too damn long. Um, <laughs> we go into Omega versus Christian. And I will tell you guys, I really loved the matchup. I loved the the packages going into the matchup. I love the fact that Christian beat him for the Impact Championship before this matchup happened. Everything was built right and it just this match really reminded me of why I love Christian so much. Stephen P. New, what did you think about this match? I'm going to make Derek Jones come over here and hug me and not just hug Smart Mark. I. <laughs> I really like this match. It was and good. I don't like a lot of Kenny Omega matches, but he matched up well with Christian Cage, and they put on one heck of a world championship battle tonight. And you had the little bit of stuff, you know, with Don Callis on the outside, but not not so much that it detracted from the great wrestling that was going on on the inside. The only the thing that I could uh, say negative about this match is that someone must have just showed Kenny Omega family matters because he cracked two he Steve cracked Urkel. Two Steve Urkel jokes. Two. Come on, man. <laughs> two Steve Urkel one jokes. One would have been great. One would have been one, good. One was the like. Second one. I, only got the, I only heard the one. No, no. He said one during the match, and then he did one yeah, when, after When he thing. jumped off the apron and broke the table onto uh, Christian, he, he was like, did I do that? And I was oh, like, was that a Steve geez. Urkel joke? And I didn't know. I didn't know if it was a Steve Urkel joke until the end when he cut it again and did the same. It was like, did you not hear me do this really outdated joke? Well, here we go again. Boom. Let me throw it out there again. I mean, and I wasn't even that. I I laughed in the group chat, you know, with the botch off the ring railing. He did deal with it pretty well, though. He did so well with that botch. When he when he jumped up to get in that in position to do that moonsault and slipped off, you could see, and, and he reacted properly. He no, reacted. True Heel would have blamed some fan standing there. Well, and he incorrectly done and, the move. And then he did it in a way, he redid the move in a way that was harder than it would have been before. Mm-hmm. It was, mm-hmm. and, and he did it good. I, I, the guy is talented. He he is, and it showed it tonight. And man, Christian just—you uh, know—he hasn't wrestled a ton either in the last few years. Uh, did he look rusty to anybody else? No, 
This is going to look rusty to me. No, because he's really good, man. Outworks everybody. Outworks everyone. And, and, you know, we could just just like the CM Punk match. We could sit and talk about this match and how great Christian is and how perfect of of a title defense this was for Kenny Omega. But the real meat and potatoes happened after the bell rang. So we see Kenny Omega keep his championship. He retains the title. And we hear... Adam Cole's music hit after the uh, after the elite are gathered in the ring and Adam Cole comes out. This was first of all huge pop for Adam Cole. Uh, people who who think that Adam Cole, like people over in the WWE, I'm sure were very shocked at what a big response Adam Cole got. And you couldn't have done it any better than to have Adam Cole turn heel as soon as he showed up. It was <laughs> a perfect way to bring Adam Cole in and to make him a part of this. But did you expect the heel turn right out the gate, or did you think Adam Cole and Kenny Omega were going to be uh, you know, going head-to-head next? What, what did you think, Derek? I absolutely expected the heel turn because Adam Cole's Bullet Club, he's oh, part of the elite. He's his one of the original cast members of being the elite. He's in that group of guys. He is. So at one point in time in the Indies and in ring of honor, there was a team or a group called the Mount Rushmore of wrestling. And it was the bucks and Adam Cole, and Kevin Steen. Like he's, he's in with those guys. If it wouldn't make sense to put him against them right out of the gate, it just, it, it, it felt wrong to even think that Adam Cole is going to be a baby face because he's not a baby face. He no, is a heel. He is a heel all day. And he's he, he definitely plays he's that so role. good at it. Stephen P knew when Adam Cole's music hit and we, we knew that Adam Cole was about to walk down. What, what, what did you think? I thought, and I, I said this about punk's appearance a couple of weeks ago for people who love that stuff. I'm glad for them. I, I mean, I, I don't dislike Adam Cole. I, I think he's a, a good wrestler. Um, but, man, obviously there's something organic about that love. You know, the, the people that are Bullet Club fans that, that have loved his stuff, like Derek just talked about, I was really happy for them. And <laughs> somewhere in Stamford, Connecticut, somebody's sitting there wondering – how do we let him get away from us, pal? Look at Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like you just let this guy go and he shows up the way that he did it to let his contract run out so he had no non-compete and just show up. I, to me there was no doubt he was going to show up tonight when I heard about the no no compete not being there because how could you miss the opportunity to put him on television? immediately after he leaves the company. Yep. And all the guy wanted to do was stream on Twitch. Yeah. <laughs> that was his bargaining chip. Let me play video games online and let other people watch it and I'll make you money. Not ain't going to happen. Man, <laughs> let it happen. can do a, can can teach a class on that whole thing. Adam Harris, tell us tell us what you think cuz you're trying to get I didn't get to put Kenny Omega over enough uh, before the I thought the finish was great, man. I mean, he definitely made up for the botch by standing on the top rope and delivering the one-winged angel. Uh, you know, insane. That made Christian look strong. Insane. It made everybody look strong and and they even worked it out a good way, you know, um and I I thought the first table spot was way too early in the match. Uh, you know, that was 
was insane to me. Um, but then the Adam Cole reaction, you know, is what I would have expected. And, and I'm excited to see him back with the elite. I think that'll work out just good, just fine. Uh, they're going to start right off where they left off and, uh, we'll see how it works in AEW if it works as well. So Adam- my first thing was when I saw Adam Cole, and this might be terrible. And kids, if you're watching and listening to this, don't do drugs. But I was like, man, I hope AEW doesn't have a wellness policy because that's the only thing that's keeping Adam Cole from being like the next biggest thing. Because do Kenny or Kenny, <laughs> Kenny Chesney, Kenny Omega, he looks like an athlete. Man, Adam Cole was painfully thin. I know for a fact that Brian Ressner hasn't been in a fight in a while, and he'll fucking destroy Adam Cole. Adam Cole has to look bigger. He's going to have to get some protein. He's going to have to get some shakes. Nah, man, I did. I Mexican, I, I, I jobbed Mexican Adam Cole. Fucking vitamins. I, but that's what I thought. Like if he could just get a little bigger, because he's the same size as Shawn Michaels, but Shawn Michaels still was shredded and looked good. Adam Cole. Man, he looks like a really shredded mulky. Just, I'm sorry. Just for the record, I would totally job to Adam Cole no matter what. But I, I will say this, that I think that this was a great way to bring Adam Cole out. The the super kick and join him back up with the elite. Everything's awesome. Arms are up. Everything's great. And then we hear what the flight of the bumblebee. No. <laughs> the fucking ride of the Valkyries. Oh, oh, there we go. <laughs> Valkyries. Yeah. But but I'm very upset that Europe didn't get paid because it should have been a final countdown. If we're gonna all go old school and go back to our our number, or, well, surely you know, to God music, you can find something better than the final countdown by Europe. That was his. That's, that's Brian Danielson's that's music. Brian but Danielson's it, it, music. It doesn't matter. Daniel Bryan made himself, and that music is what everybody knows. If you would have, if you would have hit the final countdown, no one would have popped the way they did. They would have still song. popped. Derek, tell them they would still pop. Now I posit this: Was it too much? Did they? Did they make Daniel Bryan's uh, uh, come out? not as big as it should have been because it was right after Adam Cole, right after Adam Cole. And then you had Suzuki. Yes. Then you, you're saying that, you know, Adam, or if you say no, then you're saying that Adam Cole's not as big. Well, you also had Ruby Soho and you had Suzuki. There was a lot of surprise. You could really tell that a fan of this business, a Mark would, if you would, if you will put this together because (laughs) it it was like, Oh, I could just shoot my wad everywhere. And that's what he did. He, he shot, it everywhere he could. He's like, let me put a little bit of Rubio Rojo over here. I'm going to put a little bit of uh, a Suzuki over here. Then we're going to end with Daniel Bryan and Adam Cole. And then, boom, tell me I ain't the shit. That's, uh, you know, he was running around t- thinking he just booked the show of the century. It was a good show. I think Derek was going to have something non pornographic for the residents of the house of kayfabe. Derek, please. Oh, uh, sorry. He said, uh, okay, I-, I can try to do non pornographic. Give me a second. So. Before Adam Cole came out, the entire crowd was chanting yes. And then Adam Cole came out. So everybody's like, oh, it's not Daniel Bryan, but this is cool. And then he turns heel and they're like, damn, Adam Cole was going to be our hero. He was going to be our savior. And then you got that that real reaction pop to Daniel Bryan. 
if if you would have just brought out Daniel Bryan, I don't think the reaction would have been as meaningful as it was because they had to have the hesitation after someone else. You know, I agree with that because it was like you, you've got to put Adam Cole out there because everybody was expecting Daniel Bryan. And when you put Adam Cole out there, everyone kind of had given up. Like, oh, okay, well, Daniel Bryan's not going to be on this show. We're going to see him later. We, we got Adam Cole instead. And then they got Daniel Bryan. It was like... It was like giving them the surprise because everybody knew Daniel Bryan was coming. And it was like so much to the point where everybody was even chanting for it. And then you let them down like, oh, you, you let them down the right way because they're let down because it's not Daniel Bryan. But then they're brought back up because it is Adam Cole. And then you bring them Daniel Bryan. So they were they even were surprised, even though they knew it was coming. Here's where my and pessimism clears. I'm sorry, Adam. Go ahead. Uh, I was just going to say, you immediately put Daniel Bryan with Luchasaurus and uh, Jungle Boy. Now, they're putting Jungle Boy over, and I'm trying to buy into that, too. But, I, you know, and having Christian with them, too, is trying to elevate them as well. But it's still, I, you know, I'm, I'm iffy on whether they're going to be a successful like what does that do for Daniel? Bryan? Are we you know, building? Are we right building up a war games thing though? Maybe uh, uh, one of the, so. the rip off be, right? AEW war games things. I think is what we're building up to. I believe yeah, there's so no Christian way that we're going to start a faction with Christian and Daniel Bryan. And I mean, I would hope not. That's what it, that's what it looks like to me. I don't know. What do you think, Steve? I think that you almost had to do Ruby's. I think there's so many people going to leave WWE and come to the AEW that. You almost have to do this where you've got multiple people from WWE or other promotions showing up at an event like All Out because I'm here to tell you guys, Braun Strowman is coming. Bray Wyatt is coming. The Iconics why, are coming. Why do we have rumors that we're seeing Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt go to Impact? What kind of sense would that make? I, I know why. They, uh, Demore was on Instagram. I saw a video. Uh, they were at a baseball game, and he mentioned something. Um, I don't remember if it was Bray Wyatt specifically, but then at the very end, he said, you know, uh, we're, we're Braun for glory. And, and the other girl was like, oh, I hope everybody heard that, you know, and then ended the video real quick, you know. And so uh, Braun is definitely making an appearance. That's gonna well, be I mean, match, to I Steven's point, AEW needs to just, you got everybody there, ease up. Make angles and make television that you want to watch. You don't need to bring anyone else. Because Braun Strowman don't move the needle more than CM Punk and Daniel Bryan does. I don't think Ray that... Ray Wyatt uh, doesn't move the needle as much as Adam Cole does. I don't think that... With that particular that, crowd. So I don't they, think they, they, they agree with you. Up. I don't think that they agree with you. I think they're going to start hitting us with new people constantly. We're going to see a flood. It's going to feel like WCW. And that's, that's the problem. Like that's not a good thing. I, it it was thing. a good thing until 2001. If they can just it hold it together for three years, Brian. Well, I heard Big Show mention how in WWE it was always given to you. You whatever you were going to say was always predetermined, and in AEW it's not like that. So we're going to see. Uh, who's able to come up with their own stuff and stick around and make a difference and an impact uh, and who can't, you know, and why is Mark Henry not so good as an announcer? Why is big shows, uh, you know, struggle to improvise, you know, or why is he better when it's scripted and handed to him? We're going to find out, man, um, who's who, you know, was maybe not as bad in WWE as we thought. True. 
Very. So very eventually, true. they're going to have to like when they get to their level, they're going to have to start cutting people. Is what you're saying? Well, that's what they really need to start doing now. I before I brought any more people in, I'd probably let go of at least twenty to thirty. Well, and that's that's also why they're not going to be filming dark on the road anymore. They're going to have it in a stationary location where they used to film Impact at Universal. So they're going to have a base home just for dark, almost similar to NXT that they will film. And then whoever they travel with will be a completely different group of guys. Um, I would say at some point they will stop recording um, rampage and it will be live also. And if it continues to do well, stretch it to two hours, have two, two hour shows. Don't go to three because Nobody needs that. Two two hour shows is perfect, and you can bring in some more people. And if you got somebody not cutting it, send them send them to dark for a while. Because, like, as far as we know, AEW has only cut like two people, right? Right. Jimmy Havoc, and who was the other one? Like, I think a female. Mm-hmm. Like, they haven't cut anybody. Oh, uh, Serena Deeb, maybe. Yeah, or, Serena uh, Deeb, but she's back now, right? I don't know. I don't, I don't know the so. answer to that. Well, uh, but, but, but I there's going to be a, a lot of contracts contract. not renewed. Yeah, Man, I, I'm I afraid. don't know how long the 2019 contracts, you know, that started at, was it 19 or 18, Derek? All out 18? 18. Okay. I don't know how long those contracts were. I know that a guy like Smart Mark is being paid by per appearance. He's not under contract with all elite wrestling. So does and that mean so, there's wrestlers doing that too? There's a lot of them. Most of the people that perform on dark are paid by appearance. Right. Okay. I, I don't know that. I don't know that Pillman jr. I don't know that the varsity blondes, maybe now that they're a team with Julia Hart, they, they just under contract. They just signed contracts like two, maybe three weeks ago, max. But all of that work that they had been doing up until just a couple of weeks ago was on a per appearance basis. They, they weren't under contract. Um, you know, so I got the feeling that, that the librarians and yeah. Janela and some of those guys whose contracts are going to be coming up soon might not get renewed. All right, so we've been talking about all out for a good bit of time, I've got one question for you before we get out of here, and that is, who do you think is going to be next up to face CM Punk? And I'll start with you, Barker. Where do you think CM Punk goes from here? I don't know if they'll do this right because it is still Tony Khan booking, but it's time for MJF to come. Like, Let's see if CM Punk can be a white meat baby face. And does he have that skill to go against MJF, who is the best heel in the business? Despite as much as we love Roman Reigns, MJF is a better heel. Can CM Punk be a white, white meat baby face and the crowd still love it because I am not sold on the fact that, People won't like CM Punk if he's not raging against the bad guy and the evil empire. So MJF would be a good uh, uh, example of him doing that. All right, Stephen P. New, where do you think CM Punk goes from here? I think that he keeps a few, I don't know, for lack of a better term, tune-up 
type matches. Uh, who do you, you know, think? Until he, what's that? Who do you think? Who do you think is going to be the next guy to face CM Punk? I could see a Sean Spears type guy, maybe, or, or somebody like that who's really good in the ring. Um, you know, and it's inconse- in, inconsequential. Well, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, actually, Spears comes out looking better in that kind of a thing. Uh, and you're not doing any damage to Punk to have him engaged in that kind of a thing. I could see him having two or three Sean Spears type couple of matches each until he's ready to maybe, I, I don't know. If it's MJF, I don't know, Miro works or or something, you know. All right, so Adam Harris, where does CM Punk go from here? I could actually see him pairing up with Sting and Darby now and then getting into some sort of a six-man with, uh, was it Everrise? Is that the tag team that came out uh, yeah. that Darby saved him from? Yeah, 2.0. That's, 2.0. Yeah, they were Everrise and NXT. I yeah. could see that, you know, turning into something for a few matches, like you said, getting tuned back up. Uh, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky are out there. And then also that Paul Gilbert guy, is that the name of the coach who was there with the MMA guys tonight? You know, Punk's got an MMA that, background. You know, you know, that's since since you said that, I'll go ahead and throw mine in there. I, that's where I think that they should take CM Punk is to the Ethan Page, Scorpio Sky, and America's Top Team thing. They could get into the whole MMA thing. They could talk, uh, you know, talk shit about his MMA career. It could be, it could be something really good. Plus, you know, Scorpio Sky is a top nat, a top notch guy. You know, this guy can go. And Ethan Page isn't bad either. So, you know, seeing either one of them have a have a program with CM Punk with that whole American Top Team thing could be a really, really good move. Derek Jones, where do you see CM Punk going from here? That is my prediction. What you guys just talked about, I see him getting into a feud with Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page. He has a built-in partner that has already has previous history with Darby Allen, with Men of the Year. I mean, they you know they had their little spat that never amounted to anything. Hey, you just had a match with Darby Allen. You shook his hand afterwards. What's that mean? You know, let's let's start this bullcrap because you're you know you're being nice to him when in reality you should have beat the snot out of him or something. I mean. It's it it, it kind of writes itself, especially being now partnered with with top team. I would agree completely, and we have went over the entire pay per view because that's what we do here on the full report, and we will talk more about this as things develop in AEW. We will see you next time right here on the House of Kayfabe, the full report. House of Kayfabe. I take it to been a product of Superior Radio Network. Call Stephen P. News. If you need.
for two. To the rest. If you have been mistreated and abused by a major corporation, if you've been abused by a representative like a doctor at the Veterans Administration Hospital, if you or a member of your family has been the victim of elder abuse in a nursing home, if you have been poisoned by Roundup or by asbestos in your talcum powder, if your entire city's water supply has been poisoned by chemicals left underground, or if you've got any other kind of gripe or grievance that you feel needs redress in the legal system, call Stephen P. New, newlawoffice.com, 888-692-8084. He's representing people from professional wrestlers to just the little people out there like you and me that need some champion of justice to defend their rights in a court of law. Call my law office. We'll fight for you. Contact Stephen P. New, attorney at law. When it comes to your brand, your visual presence is so important. You can't just get anybody to take care of that for you. When you are trying to take your image to the next level, you need to contact Eli Brazil at Eli's Digital Concepts. Eli specializes in improving your look with cutting-edge graphics that set you apart from the rest. He has done work for franchise with Shane Douglas, House of Kayfabe, Dan Healy, RTW, and many more. Eli's Digital Concepts is your one-stop shop for all types of graphic design, such as rebranding, photo manipulation, posters, logos, letterheads, t-shirt designs, mock-ups, and even AutoCAD work. You can catch Eli on Instagram at Eli's Digital Concepts, on Twitter at Eli's Concepts, on Facebook at Eli's Digital Concepts, or you can email him directly, Eli's Digital Concepts at gmail.com. Eli's Digital Concepts, custom artwork you have to see to believe. 